here. I want to get to this gospel. Amen. 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 But um, I, I, I'm realizing something in the times that we're in. Um, the Bible says in Romans chapter 13 that we are to understand the times. Amen. That the hour has come and that we need to wake up from our slumber because our salvation is nearer now than it's ever been. And in other words, I believe it's just telling us that the times are serious and it's time for us to get serious because the enemy's serious and he's fighting against us with everything that we have. And the Bible tells us that there is a posture that we can take on. It says that the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. I got any violent believers in here that are willing to just take this thing by force? to stand in our rightful place and do what God is calling us to do. I, I truly believe that, that God really is, as, as this, this series has been, just leveling us up in every way. He really is leveling us up. And today, one of the things that we want to talk about is to level up your faith. Amen? I believe that it is essential to the life strand of a believer. And, and I was blessed to be a part of the series here, uh, The God of More. And if you remember, there was something that I said during that time that God was going to do more for us, but there was, God was expecting more of us as well. And that's just the essence of leveling up. It's about stretching us. It's about expanding us. It's about more. And that's what this whole thing is about. So I'm going to go before God in a word of prayer, and, and we're going to jump into this thing. Father, we thank you again just for this opportunity to share your word, God. I pray that uh, you would prepare our hearts and our ears, Lord, to hear I pray also, God, that you would use me as your vessel, God. Move all flesh out of the way. I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. 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 I want to remind us really quick of um, kind of what the working definition is for leveling up. So we'll put that up there. Leveling up is to go higher, a level or a standard. It is to increase or to improve something, and it's also to make a move in your life for the better. So once again, you know, I, I put some definitions with that. I said it, it was more. It was stretching us. It was expanding us. It was this place of growth. And I believe that not only is God leveling us up in, in just one area, but in multiple areas of our life. You guys have already talked about leveling up on the vision, leveling up on the mission, and reestablishing who you are as a believer and also this ministry in particular. And I also believe that God wants to, as I mentioned, to level up our faith. Amen. And the reason why is because faith is critical and crucial in the life of a believer. You got to know that. You got to know that, that faith is the life strand of who you are as a believer and Christian and follower of Jesus Christ. Yes. How do I know that? Because you have to think about this. In order for us to uh, stand in the place of being a believer, it is indicative of us to have faith in God. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that we are to believe that he is the son of God and that God raised him from the dead, that he came, he died, he rose again for our salvation and redemption. And that requires faith. This is not something that we have the ability to, to see, touch, and to talk to God here in the natural. And so it requires us to stand in faith in order to believe that. And if faith is as important as I'm making it today, then you got to know that the enemy's going to fight you in that particular area because he understands if I can impact and I can affect their faith then I can affect their stance and their, their position as a believer. And so it is the way that he fights us because it is, as I said, the hub of our existence as believers. I want us to hear something and see something really quick. When you consider the attacks on 9-11, 
there was a strategic strategy that the enemies deployed. So when you look at what they attacked, one of the first things that they attacked was the World Trade Center. Why did they attack the World Trade Center? The World Trade Center is the center for international trade that is placed here in the United States. And so their attack against the World Trade Center was not just uh, a national impact, but it had a global economic impact. And it was the heartbeat of our country economically. And so it's why they did what they did. When they attacked the Pentagon, the Pentagon serves at the headquarters for the U.S. Department of Defense. So in other words, this is the symbol of American uh, military strength here in our country. So this is our identity and our strength as a country as it pertains to the military. So they, if they can attack that, they wanted to get to the heart because they knew that, hey, if I can hit this, then I can hit every part of that country. It's like a trickle effect. So it wasn't just happenstance in what they did. They did it on purpose because they knew I have to hit the heart of the matter. And this is how the enemy operates. There's a scripture that I want you to see in Mark chapter 3, verse 27. It says, no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Well, what does that mean? It means if I have a goal of getting to something of value that's inside of a specific place, then I have to get through the security that bars that place. I have to go through the strongest point of security in order to get to it. And if I can bind up the strong point, then I can get to everything that I want to get access to. That's what the enemy does to your faith. He knows if he can get to your faith, then he can get to every other operating part of you as a believer. And so John 10, 10 says it like this. It says that the thief comes only to kill, steal, and to destroy. This is his plan. This is the enemy's plan. So, so that's why it's so important to level up our faith because you have to know, I believe that his goal is to steal our joy so that he can kill our influence and ultimately destroy our faith. That's his goal. He has a strategy. It's like a game plan. I, I, I've been a player and a coach for a number of years. It's a game plan. You set up and establish a game plan so that you can go out and execute. That's what he does. He's like, hey, this is what I want to do. It calls him a thief because he wants to steal it. It's not rightfully his. Our faith belongs to us. It's what God gives us in order to stand firm in our position as a believer. And so today we're going to examine a passage of scripture as we look to level up our faith. I'll be reading from Mark chapter 4, 35 through 41. And I'll be honest, I don't think I've ever preached from Mark. But, but there were two accounts of this particular story. And, I, and, and, and in Mark, there was a specific reason why I wanted to share this particular account. And I believe something when I read scripture. If you pay close attention, you will see that Jesus often looked to put his disciples in positions where he could level up their faith. And oftentimes it was without them even knowing. They had no idea. He was just walking them through their daily uh, plan and the things that he would walk them through. And the intent and plan was that he would build their faith along the way. And so he would put them in these situations, and they had no idea what Jesus was doing. He was teaching them through parables. He was teaching them through life experiences. And I'm reminded of a particular passage of Scripture when Jesus feeds the 5,000, that big miracle that he did with only two fish and five loaves of bread. The Bible says that they brought it to him. He broke it. He blessed it. And they were able to feed 5,000-plus people with just two fish and five loaves of bread. But the amazing thing that happened in that moment also is that when they were 
were done, it says that they fed everyone and that there were leftovers. There were leftovers. And, and, and so it says that the disciples went and they took 12 baskets in which they gathered the leftovers and they took them along with them on their journey. See, I don't think they even paid attention to that. You know, first off, how do you have leftovers? It doesn't even make sense. But it says that they took it along with them because the next thing that happened was that Jesus sent them out on the boat and it says that he went away alone to pray. And in the midst of that, they were going through this crazy storm. Jesus comes walking out on the water and, and there's a whole other story that goes with that. But I believe he had them carry the leftovers as a reminder of the miracles that he had already done. So if they could see the evidence of what God had already done, then surely he's going to bless us and keep us in this moment. And I believe God wants to do that. There are lessons that he's using to level up our faith. And so as we jump into Mark chapter 4, I'm going to go through this a little differently than I typically do. Ordinarily, I'll just read all of the scriptures and then I'll just go and break it down and exegete it. But on today, I'm going to go to an old school approach that I learned as a very young minister. It's called Read On, where I'm going to read each passage and then we'll break it down kind of like a Bible study. And along the way, I'm actually going to give us some key points that's going to help us in leveling up our faith. So the very first one that we must understand is that we have to follow God's instructions. Follow God's instructions. In the first verse here, in verse 35, it says that on the day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go to the other side. So the first thing that you have to recognize is the moment when this is happening. So it says that it's in the evening, which to me, it specifies that, that things have gotten a little bit dark. You know, in the evening, the sun starts going down and, and, and the situation starts to get a little darker and your ability to see changes. God shared something with me some time ago. He says, I want you to remember what I told you in the light. And in the moments of darkness, don't forget what I told you in the light. In other words, what he wanted me to realize is that in the light, everything is cool, right? We, we're not tripping in the light. The situation is manageable. But then all of a sudden, when it gets evening time and it becomes darker, it's difficult for us to see. And Jesus and God wants us to know that it's okay for us to remember what he told us in the light when the moment gets dark. So it's important for us to remember his instructions because the instructions that he gave the disciples before they ever took off was let us go to the other side. That was the plan from the very beginning. And when God says something, God will fulfill what he says. So we can stand on his word. We can stand on his instructions. So it's vitally important that as we're leveling up our faith, the very first thing we have to do is become familiar with the word. And what the word says we can stand on. The next thing that I want us to get is that we have to get away from the crowd and draw closer to God. Verse 36 says, and leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And the other boats were with them. It's a lot in there. It's loaded. But it first says that they left the crowd. I need you to know that in this season, leveling up your faith, you're not going to be able to just be around the crowd. It's going to cause for some isolation, for some pulling away from you getting away from the crowd and the noise and the voices and the chatter and drawing closer to him. I love scripture in James where it tells us that if we submit ourselves to God and come near to him, he comes near to us. That if we take the first step, he takes the next step. We draw to him, he draws to us. And that is where we get our strength in being in his presence. And so they understood this because they took him with them on the boat. I can tell you this, in your evening season, that if you got Jesus on the boat with you, you're going to be all right. 
Amen? So it's not enough for you to just draw away from the crowd, but, but also draw away from him. If you draw away from the crowd, you got to be drawn closer to him. If you ask anyone that's dealing with a, a, a season or a struggle with depression or, or, or anxiety, they will tell you they feel all alone. I feel like I'm in this by myself. And that's why the need for Jesus to be on board is so crucial and critical to us as believers. We must understand that, that here's, the, here's the other part of it, you know, as you read on. And this is why I love the Bible. The Bible is just so cool when you really read between the lines. There's so many little small messages that you won't catch if you just glance through it. And that's why sometimes I kind of read like this. I just read like a verse at a time. I used to be the guy like, oh, I'm going to read the whole book tonight or just read a whole chapter. Sometimes I'll read just a few verses and just meditate on it. And it says this. It says that uh, there were other boats that were with them. What does that mean? So, so they drew away from the crowd, but when they went out, there were other boats that also went out with them. Here's the importance of that, is that even though you may feel isolated and alone, they went out to an eventual what ended up being a storm that they were in in that evening season. And at the same time, all of the other boats were out there were going through the same thing. Why is that important? Because you need to know that you're not the only one that's going through. You need to know that as God is leveling up your faith, that we're all kind of going through that same thing. I remember in scripture when Elijah was talking to the angel of the Lord and, and the angel of the Lord says, what are you doing here, Elijah? He goes, well, well, you know, I've been zealous for God. I've been faithful and I'm the only one that's out here on the front lines. He goes, no, no way. There's 7,000 others that are just like you. But it can feel like we're all alone. There are other boats out in the evening that are going through the same thing that you're going. So you have to remember that as we get away from the crowd, we have to draw closer to God. The next thing that we have to remember is that we have to trust God no matter what we see. Vashon was talking about it. You got you to gotta think about it. That, that, that is the essence of faith. It's not in what you can see. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says that faith is the assurance of what we hope for and the conviction of what we do not see. You've heard it said, we walk by faith and not by sight. It's not what you see, but it's what you believe. We live in a world that says, I'll believe it when I see it. But the truth of the matter is, is as it pertains to faith, that doesn't work. You flip it the other way. You won't see it until you believe it. So level up your faith in order to see what it is that you're believing and trusting God for. Verse 37 says it like this. It says, there was a great windstorm that arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. So, so let's paint this picture. So Jesus gets on the boat with them. They pull away from everybody else. He says, let's go to the other side. Cool, we're going to the other side. No problems. They get on this boat, and then all of a sudden, the situation goes from bad to ridiculous. So we're, we're thinking to ourselves, like, okay, so it's evening time. There's this windstorm that's going on. And so not only is this impacting us, but now it's getting on the inside of the boat. It becomes real when it gets on the inside of the boat. Consider that. So, so not that there's just a pandemic going on, but now the pandemic starts affecting my house. There, 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 there are people that are getting sick, and then all of a sudden COVID hits, hits my family? Now it's on the inside of my boat. 
People losing their jobs, and I've been cool. I've still been working. Things have been good. You know, have my unemployment. Everything is working. And then all of a sudden, you, you lose your job too? It hits a little different, right, when it gets in your boat. And that's exactly what happens in this moment is that everything gets into their boat, and it says that the boat was starting to fill up. Can you imagine the level of distress that they're under? They're thinking to themselves, we're trying to be obedient. It's nothing like being obedient and walking right in the middle of conflict, right? But isn't that how God works? You do what he tells you to do, and and it feels like you're walking into like some of the worst moments of your life, but you got to remember he's on the boat with you, amen? And, and, And so check this out. Check this out. The Bible says that Jesus is on the boat, all of this stuff starts happening, which takes us to the next point. The next point is that we must rest and not worry. Rest and not worry. Do me a favor, really quick, just, 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 just take a deep breath in and let it out. That feels good, right? Anybody else got an Apple Watch where it like alerts you like it's time to breathe? I'm like, shut up, stop it. Stop doing that. Like, my day is busy. I don't have time to stop and breathe until one day I finally just, I said, let me do this. I'm like trying to measure it and stay on pace with it. And I noticed that it it really made me feel pretty good. I was like, man, that feels good. Because it's it's the sign of of me just kind of just resting in the middle of my day of everything that I'm enduring, everything that I'm dealing with. The Bible tells us that we can go to him, all of us that are weary and heavy laden, and he will give us rest. I believe God wants to give somebody rest in here. A part of leveling up your faith is taking the pressure off yourself and putting it on him. He says, exchange your burdens for mine because my burden is easy and my yoke is light. So he gives us the opportunity to rest in him, not to worry, not to deal in anxiety and fear and doubt, but that we can just rest. Verse 38 says, he was in the CERN talking of Jesus asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? So, so you got to see this once again, right? So I don't know if, if I'm the only one, but... I think to myself, Jesus, if you're omnipotent, if you're all-knowing, if you're all-powerful, if you know everything, why'd you take us out here? Right in the middle of a storm. You knew this was coming. And the Bible says that Jesus was in the hole of the boat, and it says that he was asleep on a cushion. All right, we got to rest right there for a moment, y'all. Think about this. So, so if you fall asleep on me while I'm up here preaching, which please don't do that. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm doing my best. Come on now. But if you come in here and you just kind of doze off, you're tired. Like, I get it, right? It just, it just happens. It's, it's not something that you plan. But if you walk in here with a pillow and you're like, like, come on, man. You setting it up on the next seat right there. Like, come on. That's premeditated. And that's what I feel like. It says he was asleep on a cushion. If you look at the King James Version of this passage, it says a pillow, which means this was planned sleep. So despite what was going on, he's like, man, I'm getting comfortable. I'm going going to sleep for real. Like, let me get into that REM sleep. And so Jesus is asleep on the cushion when all of this stuff is going on. And it says they woke him up and they're like, teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? We're out here about to die. Like, okay, hold on now. Like, wake up. You got to do something about this. And you would think after all of the time that they've spent with him, after miracle after miracle, that they would have gotten to a point where they trusted and believed that their faith was leveled up. 
that they knew like he has us, but they still panicked like many of us. I might be the only one guilty, but I admit every situation feels like the worst one ever. God can deliver me from 5,000 things. And every single time I'm in a new thing, I'm like, oh man, this is going to kill me. Come on, man. Like level up your faith. It says he's asleep on a cushion because he wanted them to see that you can rest in me and not worry. The next point is that we have to speak the language of faith. What does that mean? Verse 39 says, Jesus wakes up and here's his response to them. It says that he rebuked the wind. He said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. I'm going to stop on that word peace for a minute. Because somebody here needs to hear that. Peace. Not the peace that the world offers, but a peace that only God offers. The Bible talks about a peace that surpasses all understanding. A peace that can guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. You know why it's guarding your heart and your mind? Because those are the areas that the enemy attacks. Once again, he has to have a game plan. He knows if I can disrupt their heart, if I can get in their head and start speaking that snake talk and the lies of the enemy, because the Bible says that he's the father of lies, the same way I'm up here and my native language is English, his native language is lie. He's going to lie to you. And he'll get in your heart. He'll get in your mind. It starts in your head. And if it gets to your heart, man, we're in trouble. So the peace of God is that thing that umpires or protects our heart and our mind. And it says something. It says that it will protect our heart and our mind in him. A peace that surpasses all understanding, meaning that it doesn't even make sense. It didn't make sense that he was sleeping in the middle of a storm. But that's the peace of God. And that's what he wants to offer us. He spoke directly to the, the, the sea and he says, be still, peace. The wind ceased and it says there was a great calm. It immediately obeyed. He spoke the language of faith. Because guess what? There's a language that we speak. The Bible tells us in Matthew 12 and 34 that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, the mouth speaks what your heart is full of. So if your heart is full of fear, guess what you're talking? Fear. If your heart is full of doubt, you're going to speak doubt. If your heart is full of worry, you're going to speak the language of worry. But if your heart is full of faith, you're going to speak the language of faith. And that's what we got to do in leveling up our faith. We have to speak the language of faith. We have to speak knowing that God is in control of all things. God, this is rough. I know I, I can't deal with this right now. You know, I, I know what the doctor said, God, but I'm speaking the language of faith. You said that I'm healed. You said, God, that I'm the head and not the tail. You said that I'm above and not beneath, that I'm the lender and not the borrower. You said that you would never leave nor forsake me. Speak the language of faith and watch God move on your behalf. Hallelujah. The next point says that Jesus is challenging us to level up our faith, simply. He wants to take every one of these situations that he allows us to be exposed to and the expansion of our faith, he needs us to level up our faith. It's a challenge. It's a challenge, y'all, a challenge. So this is what he says to the disciples, and, and I'm sure that they you know, felt a little shame because he, he, he keeps challenging them and showing them up each and every one. In verse 40 and 41, it says that he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? 
And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Again, you would think that they got it by now. Like Jesus is about it, about it. Like, come on, man. You got to know at this point. Anybody that can just raise the, the lame to walk, blinded eyes to see, put a little, you know, spit dirt on them. And, come on, man. You got to know that, that, that he is who he says that he is and that he has the power to do all things. And he keeps challenging them to level up their faith because he knows that there is going to come a time when he's no longer going to be with them. And they have to walk this thing out. On their own, without him there, they have to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. They have to be the example in the earth, just like we are. And so he wants to make sure that our faith is stable and that our faith is firm. He asked them, why are you so afraid? Where is your faith? Do you still have no faith? Level up your faith. That's what he's saying to them. And he's saying the same thing to us today. Because remember, once again, our faith is the central hub and the identity of us as believers. And that faith is going to be so important as we move forward in this walk. That faith is going to be so important as we level up and as we walk in this call and the things that God is calling us to do. Nick, after today, when you get baptized, brother, your faith is going to be the thing that carries you. It's your trust and belief because you are, you are responding to your faith today by giving that, that call. Amen. It's our faith. We got to level up. Listen, I, I want to share something really quick because I, I need us to know that, that our faith, it, it has to be intentional. I want to share something with you. When, when I met my wife, and uh, this was a number of years ago, we've, we've been together. So we've been married 16 and a half years. We've been together about 19 years now. <laughs> Praise God. And uh, I remember when I met her and we were still courting and, and we both could kind of see where God was taking our relationship. And she had a conversation with me. She said, I really need to talk to you about something. And I was like, uh-oh. But it was a good thing. She said, um, I, I need you to know that, you know, I've had some complications for, for a while now. And, um, and doctors are telling me that I, I probably won't be able to have kids. And I said, oh, okay. And, you know, to be honest, it's funny that that although a part of me was like, ah, oh, man, that, that stinks, I didn't flinch. You know, because I, first and foremost, I said, I, I have a desire to have kids, but, but I have a stronger desire to, to have you. And I wasn't spinning game, y'all. I was being for real. And we had this conversation. I just said, I'm just willing to trust God on this. And, and so we, we, we got married, and we're walking this thing out, and and sure enough, um, you know, the time comes and, you know, she comes to me. We're about a year in, a year and a half in, and she says, you know, I got something to show you. And, and I'm like, oh, man, and, and, and don't judge me. I still got, you know, the, the, the little pregnancy test thing. I just, I'm sentimental like that. But she brought it to me, and I'm like, that's awesome. And, and we were just excited, and I was reading all the books. I'm the guy, and I was reading, like, what to expect when you're expecting. I read that, and, you know, we were going through the cravings together. She was gaining weight. I was gaining weight. And, you know, we were in this thing together. And I'll never forget one day I was playing for the Detroit Lions at the time, and we were in Detroit. All of our family was here and, and spread out all over the country. And she came to me, and she's like, I'm, I'm, I'm having some issues. And we went to the doctor, and everything seemed to be okay. They said, go home a few days and, you know, let us know if you need to come back. And, and she called me one day, and I was, I, was, I was over at the facility with the team. And, 
and she told me to come home. And I got home, and we went back to the doctor, and, and we got there, and the doctor said, we, we don't hear a heartbeat. We don't see the heartbeat. And that was devastating for us because a part of us in the back of our hearts and minds, we, we, we feared that that could be the case because they, they told her that she probably couldn't carry a baby. And so uh, we lost that child, and that was tough. You know, we had family that came down to support her, and um, she ended up going back. I finished out the season, don't know how. My head was just totally out of it. And um, at the end of that season, you know, we came home, and I'll be honest, we didn't even talk about it. We just every day just glossed over it like it didn't happen. And you talk about trying again, there's no way. We were afraid. You know, the fear that, that gripped our hearts, and, and my faith had took a hit. I'm going to be honest, y'all. And I went back that offseason, and I was, I was hosting a little uh, Bible study group with, with a group of guys on the team. And, you know, we were meeting together on a regular basis, and uh, we were set to go home for the offseason. So there was probably about six weeks before training camp started. And so uh, I'll never forget, I, I challenged the group. I said, listen, I want everybody to bring a prayer request. And what we're going to do with these prayer requests are we're going to share them with one another and commit to praying for each other over this time. And it's something that you want to see happen between now and the time we come back. And for whatever reason, like, there's this boldness that rolls up on the inside of me. And on that sheet of paper I wrote, we're going to conceive and, and be pregnant by the time I get back. And I gave it to the group, and they committed to praying, and I went home, and, you know, the six weeks had came and kind of gone. And the next day I was, I was set to fly out. And uh, I was sleeping, and my wife came and started shaking me and woke me up, and she said, look. And I said, you got to be kidding. I mean, literally the day before, I was heading back. And I said, God, I, I was willing to level up my faith and just believe you on this. And the crazy thing about it is, is during that next phase of that journey of those nine months, I, I don't remember ever really even fearing again. That anything would happen other than us seeing that amazing child be born to this earth. And God blessed us not only with one, but then he blessed us with a second. You can see there, you'll see my family. And, and those kids are the most amazing thing to me. We call them our nuggets. They're nugget number one and nugget number two. And you'll see a picture of them now. They're 12 and 14 years old. And man, they are just amazing. They're our miracle children. And we thought that we were going to have a third nugget and, and, you know, we went back and turned the fryers off. We're like, man, we got to chill because nugget number two was tough stuff. I was like, no, nah, we got to, you know, shut down the shop on this one. This is all we're graced for. But I tell you what, our willingness to trust God and to level up our faith allowed us to see something that we didn't think was possible. So I'm challenging you. That in this process of leveling up your faith, that it's important that you follow God's instructions. Know what he said. Know what his word says. Get away from the crowd. Draw closer to him. Trust God no matter what you see. I don't care what you see, what you hear. I don't care what the situation looks like. Know that God's power is greater than it all. You got to rest and don't worry. Lean into him. Rest. There's rest available for the weary. God will strengthen your feeble knees. He'll lift your hung down head. And then you got to speak the language of faith. You got to speak the language of faith, no matter what it's been or what it looks like. And know that he's challenging you to level up your faith. I want to pray for us. I believe that God is moving. And as we're in this level up season, that it doesn't just stop 
here, but, but there's so many areas of our walk that God wants to level us up. And this is one that is crucial and important to us advancing and moving forward. Father, we thank you for this time. God, we thank you for your word. It's powerful, God. It changes us. It does the work. Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to not only be hearers of your word, but be doers. Your word says that he who uh, reads your word, God, and is like a person who looks in the mirror and walks away and forget what he looks like when we don't live out that word. So help us, Lord, to walk in that. I pray, God, that you would change us, Lord, that we would be different than uh, when we walked into this place, God, that our faith would be challenged and increased, God, and that we would level up. Bless these, your people, God. Bless this ministry, God. Continue, Lord, to work your work, Lord, as they seek to advance the kingdom. And I pray for each and every person that's here, even that brokenhearted person, God, that, that doesn't know you. I pray, God, that you would bring them into a knowledge and understanding, God, of what it means to walk in a relationship with you, that they would get with someone here at Walk Church that can guide them through that discipleship process, that they would say, I surrender myself to you today, God. Level up my faith. Father, we thank you. We praise you in advance. We know that you can do anything but fail, and we trust you even in this. And it's in Jesus' name, amen.